0: Thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With SoberLink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. To download the resource I created with Soberlink, Divorce and Addiction, A Guide to Move Forward, visit www.soberlink.com backslash Susan.
1: Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond Podcast. And the problem here is not with their children. There's nothing wrong with their children. There's nothing wrong with their families. What's wrong is that there is a system in place right now, a legal system in place right now, that is badly equipped to help families who have children with special needs go through divorce in a peaceful way that actually meets the needs of their families.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond Podcast. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today I'm excited because we are going to be tackling a very important topic today. In fact, it's so important that it is going to be a special two-part episode, so be sure to tune in on Thursday for part two of this um, special episode. And I'm going to be talking to one of my friends and colleagues, and again, one of our trainers at Mostyn Guthrie, um, Josh Kirschenbaum. Josh is an attorney and mediator and an expert on helping families navigate divorce when there are children who have disabilities or special needs. This is an area of of specialty for Josh. He's truly one of the nation's top experts in this area. And I'm just delighted that he's joining us because this is an area that I think needs a light shined, not only on what the issues are, but Josh in part two is going to help us cover what some of the solutions are. So first, let me just say, welcome, Josh, and thanks so much for joining us.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me, Susan. I really appreciate this opportunity.
0: Well, and I appreciate you making the time to come and talk to my listeners because this is as you and I were just talking about, I said, if we just raise awareness about all of the myriad of different issues that face families, Uh, when they're going through divorce or separation and they have children with disabilities, we've done a good job because this is so much bigger, I think, than people understand. And so I'm absolutely delighted to have you here um, being my expert, helping my audience understand this because this really has been an area of passion for you for years, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it has. Um, You know, I really got interested in this issue In part because all of my work as a lawyer um, was in working with families who had children with special needs. So I was a special education attorney, had my own firm for about 10 years, and all of my work as a lawyer was with these families. And then actually, I really got interested in this topic when I went through divorce and when I was going through a mediation. um, And it occurred to me that, wow, if my son had really significant. Special needs, we would have needed a really special team to help us through it. And so I thought, wouldn't it be fantastic to bring my knowledge of working with families who have kids with disabilities into my mediation practice and support these families through this process?
0: I love that because so many of my guests on this show have brought their personal experiences to the forefront to help them help the families that we help. Um, And usually, sometimes that's our own personal divorce or our own experience as parents and step parents, and you've kind of combined um, your area of expertise in the law and helping families with education, special needs education and all, and your own, you know, divorce experience. So, and I know this has taken you down a road where you've really become one of the people in the country who really understands the nuance that comes into play when a family is facing divorce with kids with disabilities. But first, you know, let me ask, because I think this may be a good starting point for those who are listening. What are we talking about when we say children with special needs or disabilities? And is there a preference on term?
1: Oh, that is such a good question. I'm really glad you asked this because it's usually what I like to start off by talking about and to acknowledge that there is no consensus at all um, about what the best term or the right term is. What I can do is tell you what I mean by it and what my intentions are when I use it. And I think that will give you insight into actually a it will give you insight into one of the interesting things about this issue that we're talking about today and also about where I'm coming from with it. When I use the term disabilities or special needs, I am casting as broad a a spectrum as I can to include all sorts of challenges that people might face as children or even as adults in some situations, whether they are developmental, educational, physical, emotional, as broad a range as possible. Acknowledging that, you know, some of these are terms of art, they're legal terms that, that, you know, you'll see in laws and different people might mean different things by these terms. I also acknowledge that some people really don't like these terms at all, and for good reason. People who have been labeled as disabled or labeled as having special needs often suffer stigma or or discrimination or all kinds of uh, extra challenges just by virtue of being placed into a category. So I'm very aware of that, very mindful of that, and make a point of saying that when I use the terms, I'm using them as a way to help advocate for people, to cast as broad a net as possible, so that people who frankly were born into a world that wasn't fully ready for them <laughs> when they got yes. here, have a better shot, have more equity in their lives than they would if people you know, ignored them or dismissed them or somehow expected them to align themselves with these systems that were ill-equipped to handle their needs.
0: I I think that's such a, a critical point. I'm so glad that you made it. You know that we're not in any way trying to categorize or lump people into categories here, but what we are wanting to talk about is support for anyone who might be facing a challenge. Um, that where there are resources out there, where there are issues that they may be facing, and I love how you just phrased that, Josh, um, as it for as they enter into a world or, or navigate a world that perhaps wasn't prepared for them to to you know be fully participatory. So yeah, and
1: I think it's important to just to emphasize this because it really is about what we're talking about today. It's not just a philosophical point that I'm making here. It's just a really practical one. We're going to be talking about how to help parents navigate what is in a, effectively a legal process. And the problem here is not with their children. There's nothing wrong with their children. There's nothing wrong with their families. What's wrong is that there is a system in place right now, a legal system in place right now that is badly equipped to help families who have children with special needs go through divorce in a peaceful way that actually meets the needs of their families. The problem is with the systems. The problem is not with the families. So I am really taking a. I'm when I use the term special needs or disabilities, I'm more focused on the systems than on the individuals themselves. There's nothing wrong with the individual people. There's something wrong with the systems that they're born
0: into right well which is something that we face with divorce overall as yes. well right and this is this only exacerbates a a system that is ill equipped to deal with restructuring families and adds another layer of difficulty on top of that yes. and and you've raised something else and i know this is a very important point for you is that people have a perception you were just saying there's no you know fault with the family or there's nothing wrong with the family it's it's the system I know there's a perception in this world that families where they have children with disabilities or special needs are more prone to divorce. Parents are more prone to divorce or separate.
1: Yeah, that's a very, very sticky myth. That's a myth. There is no empirical evidence to support it whatsoever. Unfortunately, this myth got uttered years ago, um, and it stuck, and people caught on to it. And repeat it over and over and over again to the point where people cite it as a statistic. You'll often hear people say 80% of families who have a child with special needs um, get, you know, the, the parents get divorced. I want to be very clear about this. That is a complete myth. No factual basis in this at all. And there's for a very simple reason nobody is. Nobody's looked into this empirically because it's a nearly, it's nearly impossible to look at this question empirically because everybody uses a different definition of what special needs are. And frankly, nobody's asking this question to people in any kind of scientific way, there's a small handful of, uh, of professors at a few universities that are looking at related topics. But what we see on the whole is that perhaps for some types of disabilities where they're Kind of form an extreme stressor on the marriage, there might be a slightly higher than average divorce rate, maybe, among certain families. But what we also see, and this, you know this from your own experience, and you know this from a little bit of scientific research that's out there, for some families, the experience of having a child with disabilities actually brings the couple more close together. Exactly. Um, as one of my friends who has a child with special needs and who went through divorce told me, in her view, It does either one of two things it either tears the marriage apart or it makes it indestructible and that is something i've heard from a lot of parents so i don't want people to think that somehow their marriage is doomed if they have a child with special needs but what we do know is that this affects a lot of people because frankly susan even if the divorce rate was the same that's still a lot of people because a lot of people are getting divorced a lot of marriages end in divorce And there's a lot of families who have kids with special needs. And so there's going to be a lot, this is going to affect a lot of people. So it's a, it's a big challenge.
0: It is. And, and I think that we don't do anyone any favors by labeling the cause of the divorce. I mean, you and I both know as divorce attorneys and mediators, you know, you could ask 100 people why they got divorced and we will hear their perception of why they got divorced. But we all know that's filtered through many, many different lenses. And, you know, as you said, hardship can drive people apart. Hardship can bring people together. And we've learned that, you know, well over the years. So, you know, I think it's important for people to know if they have children who might be in the the group of, children we're talking about here or who are facing challenges with a disability or have special needs there's no certainty of divorce so there's no probability of divorce but we do know that when they face divorce when these families are facing divorce or separation the legal system you've said it is poorly equipped and you know so why is divorce why is it poorly equipped can you describe that a little bit
1: sure and i think it's worth starting off by saying the legal system is poorly equipped to handle divorces of all types. So as a starting point, the adversarial court system that we have is terrible. Yep. Um, it's expensive. It's time consuming. It destroys relationships. It's unpredictable. Um, It's a sort of a one size fits all approach. Yep. This affects all people who are going through divorce, whether they have children or not, let alone whether they have children with special needs or not. The thing is, though, that the, the reasons why the system is so bad make them extra bad when you have a child with special needs. So a lot of them, and this, by the way, this is something that goes back to what I originally said about what disabilities even are. Right. Disability is sort of, you could look at disabilities as a misalignment between the social systems that are in place and the needs of the individual person. And in this case we're talking about the legal system and there is a huge misalignment here anytime you have a system that is a one-size-fits-all cookie cutter type approach it is not going to work well for families who are in atypical situations and while there are numerous families who have kids with special needs they're not the norm by definition they're not in the normative group and so the system wasn't designed for them. the standards the factors the people who are making decisions are not knowledgeable about these needs and the needs of the family tend to be different and, and unique in ways that are not captured by the legal system. So it's a big challenge in that sense. The other thing is that we see certain types of challenges occur in these divorces. For example, parents often don't agree about the nature or even the existence of the child's special needs. Okay, so right. that that is a can is a very common, probably the most common challenge and question that we get in this. Right? Um, oh, absolutely. You know, so. And that uh, is a very difficult challenge that that anybody resolving the case, whether it's a judge or whether it's even a mediator who's helping the parents reach a, a consensus about something, they have to face that challenge and obstacle. The other thing is that one of the things that parents who have kids with disabilities face in their marriages is that the logistics are difficult in managing care and coordinating care with lots of different professionals in in the kids schedule sometimes kids have difficulties with transitions there's a lot of challenges just to raising a child who have a kid with special needs now imagine you have to restructure your family into two different households right that's extra extra hard for somebody for example a child who can't easily transition from one activity to the next is going to have a really hard time transitioning from one house to another and so there are these logistical challenges right There's also logistical challenges when you're trying to coordinate other people that might be involved in the divorce. So there, you might need input from doctors, you might need input, we'll talk about this a little bit more um, later, you might need input from lots of other professionals who are chiming in about what the child's needs are, right. And coordinating multiple professionals is hard. It's hard when you're married, and it's hard when you're getting divorced. Um, So these these sort of compound themselves. And then finally, parents don't know parents who are getting divorced don't know what they don't know right that's true and that's true right that's Across true you, the you don't have kids you don't yeah. know what you don't know you don't realize what legal situations you're even in so you you turn to a lawyer or other professionals to help you understand where am i and what do i need to know the challenge here though is that when you have a child with disabilities you're sitting at the intersection of a lot of different laws and a lot of different legal rights because our society tries to afford certain protections and benefits to people that have disabilities. And that implicates education, medicine, insurance, estate planning, all kinds of things that come into play in these divorces that are complicated. And many professionals don't feel comfortable navigating all of those different labyrinths at the same time. So the parents don't often get the information that they need about these things. Questions don't get asked. Things don't get resolved during the divorce, and that leads to challenges down the road.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's so many different ways that families are impacted. And I really like the fact that you're pointing out, I mean, we we know just that, that divorce is complicated, right? It is complicated to take one household and try and split it into two. But when you layer in the complexities of providing support for children who might have disabilities or special needs, then you're adding in those additional layers of two parents who were perhaps not communicating at their highest level, who are not perhaps agreeing on everything as easily as we w- you know would all hope, and now they've got to add in all of these. You know, I've had this argument in uh, or discussion in mediations where you know, well, who's going to take the children to speech therapy or to the therapist, and will both p- parents be present at all of these sessions, or will only one parent, and will that I'm not going to call it a burden, but will that responsibility fall more on one than the other? And will they have to take more time off of work? Will they have to hire? I mean, it it is complicated. It
1: is complicated. It is complicated. You know, one of the aspects of that, Susan, is also how long is this going to last? How long are we going to have these challenges? Think about it. When we have a situation, a tip quote unquote, typical situation, where either there's no children or the children don't have any particular special needs or disabilities, then these folks who are getting divorced are going to be co-parents up until around the time the child graduates from high school or is eighteen thereabouts. Yeah, you know, maybe a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. You a, right. You're but, always
0: parents, but yeah. <laughs>
1: but there's an there's an end there's an end goal right there's an end part. yes and that might not be true at all. When you have a child with certain disabilities, right? If you have a child who's gonna have lifelong profound disabilities, who's going to need the care of their parents for their whole life potentially, then this divorce is so far from the end of the relationship between these two parents, it's it could extend decades into the future, possibly even past the life of one of the parents. That is a totally different type of conversation when you're having when you're doing a mediation, for example, let alone a, a litigation. That is a totally different type of conversation than when you might have a couple of years or even you know, 10 years, 15 years. Right, you have this uncertainty about how long, or you do have certainty and you know it's going to be for decades. Right. Right. And how is this going to affect the income of the parents if one has to you know devote all their time to caring for their son or daughter? You know, the you can start when you start to think about it, you start to realize the questions that come up. Just get very long, <laughs> very long oh. list of questions. And this can be very intimidating. It can be it can be scary for parents who stop and they ponder this and they go, How are we ever going to do this? And Susan, I will tell you, I I have no evidence for this, but I suspect that the divorce rate for parents who have children with profound disabilities might be artificially low. I I know for a fact, and I suspect there are many families who don't get divorced because they feel it is impossible. They can't do it. There's no way for that. They can restructure their lives in a way that's going to meet the needs of their child.
0: Yeah. Well, when you take the complexity of raising a child with profound disabilities in one household with whatever the income is for that one household, and then contemplate as complicated as it is for a family without a child with profound disability, think about how much more difficult that is to make that money now spread between the households and be there for those that child's needs going forward, as you said, perhaps for decades.
1: Right. So I think I think you can, as you start to, we talk about this and and, and you sort of can think about all of these different issues that can arise. A couple of things can happen. You can get paralyzed by this and you can say, well, this is just impossible. I wouldn't go near this with a 10 foot pole. It's too complicated. And I think a lot of people, in fact, That's exactly what they think. Um, And a lot of lawyers, a lot of mediators are scared to get involved in these cases, because they don't want to mess it up. They don't want to make things worse for the family. And frankly, they don't know how to navigate these different areas. That's why when I was, that's why I said when I was going through my divorce, and it occurred to me, I'm actually sitting at a very interesting intersection here, because I'm an experienced mediator. And I know a lot about what families of kids with special needs are going through. So these issues and intersections don't scare me as much because they're more familiar to me. So for starters, I know what questions to ask and that turns out to be kind of the key to all of this. So Mm -hmm. this is the theme that we'll, we'll be hitting over and over again as we have this conversation is that you need people, this is what's missing. You need people who know what questions to ask and who can help the parents find the answers. And as much as possible, To help the parents be the answers to those questions right so that's kind of the complexity of it is also why you know it's also why parents need options for divorce that keep them in control because in the end of the day the more they can be the answers to the questions the easier it is to to resolve these and the more likely it is they're going to actually get an answer and get a solution that meets their needs
0: listeners. Did you know that you can now listen to Divorce and Beyond on your favorite audiobook platform, Audible? If you're like me and you love your audiobooks along with your podcasts, this is a great time to check out Audible memberships. They have two levels, Audible Plus and Audible Premium Plus. You right now can get a free trial of Audible Plus, And if you decide to subscribe to Audible Premium Plus, you will also get up to free audiobooks. So go to the links in the show notes to get these special offers, and I'll see you over on Audible. Stay tuned for more from leading family law and special education attorney, Josh Kirschenbaum, as he shares some of the top issues faced by families in divorce when kids have special needs.
1: People who are in this situation, who are standing at the intersection of these two labyrinths of divorce divorce and of special needs parenting are not trapped. They might not realize how to get out of this labyrinth, but they're not trapped. There is a way through. The more we talk about it with other professionals, the more we we have conversations like this, the more experiences are shared, particularly between and among parents, people can start to see that there's hope. It's It's not hopeless.
0: If you are enjoying this episode, be sure to check out last week's show where top CDFA Hollis Hardiman shares what you need to know about your money at the start of your divorce. You need to make enough to feel good about yourself to be able to pay for your life. And yeah. does that include downsizing to a smaller house? It may, it, you may be able to live in the house while you have the alimony and then you may need to, to sell it, but you have to be prepared for, and for all of those all of those in any situation because life is not predictable and the only thing you can control is yourself and, and what you do.
1: And now we return to today's show.
0: You say you're a mediator, you're a, a Harvard trained Mostin Guthrie, I'm happy to say trained mediator. And you know, I think it's it's truly um a gift to the the world that you recognize this particular intersection of your areas of interest right your mediation your legal skills and the special needs because you've pointed this out just a second ago many 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 of the professionals i will say most of the professionals that's my personal you know calculation here but i say i would say most of the professionals in this space are not well acquainted with both the challenges that we're talking about for families facing divorce when they have children with special needs or disabilities, as well as the potential solutions, which is what we'll be talking about on Thursday, in Thursday's episode. Uh, And so finding professionals who can help someone like you is actually very, is one of the first challenges parents face, I think. when they are facing a divorce.
1: Yeah, and and I will say this. I, I was really very surprised. When, when I set out to do this work, it occurred when I had this sort of realization that, hey, I could merge my special needs practice with my mediation practice. My first thought, Susan, was I'm going to go out and find people who are doing this work. There must be an area of special needs mediation or special needs divorce. It must exist. I just assumed it did. I assumed it existed because there are so many fa- disabilities touch the lives of so many families, so and many. divorce is so incredibly common. It just, I, I just assumed, and then I, I remember vividly, I just went on to Google, <laughs> and I, I, did, I, I typed in special needs divorce, special needs mediation. I tried to see if I could find other people that I could, uh, you know, learn from, and I was stunned because it's hard to type anything into Google and come up with nothing. Like you'll find something. Right. It was almost nothing. Now, I want to acknowledge there were a few. There are a few other people out there who have, who had this realization before I did and who were writing and, and doing work in this area. And I've met them and, and learned with them. And this is now a growing field. So from the, t- from when I started doing this to now, be, thanks in large part to you and to other people that have taken interest in this and have spread the word about it there are more professionals out there who are talking about this uh, and who are recognizing the need to support parents in this very special situation. Um, So there are people who are financial planners, for example, who specialize in helping people go through divorce. And there are financial planners that help families who have kids with disabilities. And now there are more who are both.
0: Right, Okay, yes. There
1: There are mental health professionals and coaches who specialize in helping families who have kids with special needs and some who are helping families who go through divorce, and now they're starting to be more of both. Same with mediators, same with attorneys. The conversation is so important, and, and not just to talk about it and raise and talk about how complicated this is, but to really help people see that there's a way through this, there's a way forward. People who are in this situation, who are standing at the intersection of these two labyrinths of divorce and of special needs parenting are not trapped they might not realize um, how to get out of this labyrinth, but they're not trapped. There is a way through it. And the more we talk about it with other professionals, the more we we have conversations like this, the more knowledge is shared, the more experiences are shared, particularly between and among parents, which is really the best way to get information. Um, people can start to see that there's hope. It's not, it's not hopeless, in by any stretch.
0: No. It, it's not, and and in fact, I do want to to acknowledge and and uh, you know I'm so proud to say you yourself are helping to bring the training that's needed to the professionals in our space, the mediators, the lawyers, the financial professionals, the coaches, the collaborative professionals. You're doing a training, uh, the first of its kind that I know of for us at Mostin Guthrie. Um, you'll be doing the very first cohort. In February. So to any of our professionals out there who are listening, because I know that many of our colleagues do listen to the podcast as well, you know, something to consider because this really is an area that is underserved and has overwhelming need for professionals to have an understanding so that that hope can be there, that support can be there for families. So you are doing a navigating divorce with parents of special, uh, of children with disabilities training for Most and Guthrie in February of next year, 2023 uh, for us. And I'm so excited about it. Can you tell us a little bit of what you'll be doing in the training, Josh? Yeah.
1: And and I'll, I wanna, I'll tie this in with, um, because I know most of the people listening to this right now are probably parents. Uh, maybe you're not professionals um, who are mediators or, or anything like that. But what, what I'm going to do in this training, it, I think, is relevant to helping parents who are listening right now understand the situation that they're in. So let me give you some examples. So one of the things I mentioned was that parents don't know what they don't know. That's something that the professionals need to understand as well. So everybody needs to, to know the right questions to ask. They need to see the minds in the minefield. They need to know where they are. So let me give you an example. This And this is for the benefit of the, of the folks that are listening right now, you might not realize this. Something that I saw a lot as a special education attorney, so I represented uh, families who had kids with special needs in special education disputes with public school districts, mm-hmm. something that I'm sure many of the listeners are well acquainted with. And one of the things that happened is from time to time, I would have a, uh, be representing a child whose parents were divorced. And they got divorced long before they came to me, or maybe not so long before they came to me but they never discussed the issue of special education decision-making in their divorce. It never came up, nobody ever asked the question. The judge never asked the question, the lawyers never asked the question and they never resolved it. And then they get into a situation where they're in a conflict with their public school over special education services, or there's an issue where they need to be attending IEP meetings, or they need to be somehow communicating and collaborating with a school-based team. But they never resolved during the divorce sort of whether one of them was going to have the decision-making authority, whether they were going to share it, or how they were going to navigate that, and then there's a conflict. Maybe there's yeah. a disagreement between the parents about what's appropriate for the child. Maybe the school district is only willing to talk to one of the parents. There's all kinds of problems that can happen there. Now, if you weren't a special edu- if you weren't really steeped in the whole world of special education, you'd not you would not necessarily foresee this. And the parents might never think during their divorce that that anything about special education would be necessary to talk about. But in fact, there's a lot about special education that's necessary to talk about during the divorce. And doing it then during the say a mediation process could prevent lots of problems down the road. That's just one example. Another good example, a lot of parents don't realize that their child either now or down the road might be eligible for public benefits, like Medicaid. And or maybe they do realize it, but you know, they haven't really thought through sort of what's going to happen down the road. And one of the things that can happen down the road is your child could inherit money from you, or from, you know, through an insurance policy, or from grandma or from anybody. And then all of a sudden, your child falls into all of this money. And is suddenly ineligible for all kinds of public benefits because they have too much money. And some of these public benefits are means tested. That is, there's, you know, you have to have below a certain amount of money. Well, there is a thing called a special needs trust, right? Which some people have heard of, but not everybody. Many parents have no idea. Many parents don't have wills, right? Let's be honest. Many parents have never done any estate planning at all, let alone something like this. A special needs trust is something where you can set that up money can go into it, and it will not disqualify the child from public benefits. It's very important that somebody on the team knows this, so that they can mention it to the parents when they're getting divorced. And they might say to them, hey, you know, you really need to redo your wills, or you need to have wills, you need to figure out or have questions about who's going to be the guardian and who's going to make decisions on behalf of this child when the child becomes an adult. So these are things where unless you have spent time working with families over the arc of a person's life, you might not realize that it's important to talk about this during the divorce process. To say nothing of the myriad questions that come up about child support, spousal support, and all kinds of other things that are complicated enough in a in a typical situation, but take on an entirely new uh, set of issues when you're dealing with a, a child who will become an adult, who may have indeterminate needs in the future of who knows how much it's going to cost to care for, and then having to bring other people in to actually help figure these things out. So these are just a couple of examples of why it's important that somebody on the team is at least aware of the questions to ask. So we're going to spend a lot of time in the training, educating the professionals about what questions they need to ask, and then sort of how to help the parents find the answers to them. And similarly, when we, uh, when we get to episode two of, of our conversation, we're going to talk a little bit about some things that parents can do when they're going through the divorce process to raise these issues and to prepare themselves and set themselves up for success in this process.
0: And, and I think that that's really critical for, for families and for parents to understand, you know, there's, there's several things in what you were just talking about, but just the fact that there are all of these questions and issues that may either be relevant immediately or relevant as time plays out. And the ability to address those questions and have meaningful, thoughtful conversations that are you know, educated and supported by the professionals, the right professionals, so that decisions can be made ahead of time is going to be so helpful to families In avoiding conflict or issues and disputes in the future, but they do need to know that it probably means that their process will take a little bit longer than maybe some other people's, you know, divorce process or mediation process. But in the end, they're going to end up with having both the opportunity to understand what they might be facing and then may have discussions and make decisions about what they might want to do in the future or what they should do in the future and to be better prepared to manage that future as they go forward. So we are, as you just mentioned, we're going to be diving into, we've, we've sort of raised your awareness here, folks, in this episode one. And then in Thursday's part two episode, we're going to dive into more of the solutions, more of those important questions, and more of what is available out there, both as professional support, as well as just, you know, program systems, um, and additional ways that parents can approach the divorce and separation process in a way that lets them set up an agreement and a plan moving forward that's best going to support their their children, which is really at the end of all of this, you know, it's it's what the parents want to do. It's what the professionals want to do. In the end, we all just, we want something durable for the kids, right? Exactly. So Josh, we're going to dive into this on Thursday. Thanks so much for joining me and sharing all of your wisdom and expertise with my listeners. And I'm looking forward to the next episode.
1: Oh, such a pleasure. Thanks, Susan. Can't wait for the next episode.
0: Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com, where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. Content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.